Hey, y'all, and welcome back to The Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly satirical news review that makes fun of the dumb news of the previous month with extremely good op-eds and debates from Chicago's best writers and comedians. It's fun. It's good. You'll love it. This particular show was recorded at Cafe Mustache in Chicago on August 2nd, 2017. Oh, do enjoy it. Hey, Skewerers! What's up? Show's gonna start in just a couple minutes, but before we do that, who wants to play a fun, a fun news-based game and win a prize? Good. I'm glad you answered positively because it was gonna happen either way. Amazing. So let's welcome to the stage to, to host this little game, friend of the show, Kevin Johnson. So basically, right now, I'm going to bring someone on stage. It's going to be voluntold, Ben, just so you know. Uh, shh, shut up. Anyway, so times, times are turbulent right now. We got real news. We got fake news. Can you tell the difference? That's all it is. It's very simple. I want Ben, come up here. Come up here. Come on, Ben. This is part of the Skewer's Affirmative Action Program. <laughs> this, is the, this is the darkest it's ever been. That's <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to keep the stage forever. Anyway, uh, so I'm going to read to you three headlines. And then you're going to tell me which one of those is fake. Then I'm going to do that two more times. And if you win, I'll give you a nice little, like, little prize, right? Is it a skewer? Damn loud train. Yeah. Alright. So so the first one. Jesse Water, Jesse Waters of Fox News. He said a lot of people wish Trump was a dictator. Okay, that's the first one. Like positive or negative? I guess that's a positive thing. It's on Fox News. Jesus Christ. Uh, second one. Doctors find 27 contact lenses in a woman's eye. Oh, that's real. I've seen that. <laughs> you say that 27 times. Right. Third one, Nigerian prince wants to give money but requires your bank account information. Which one is fake? Yeah. I got the dictator one. It's got, there's, that's way too far, right? No, you just, you just fell for an email scam, son. <laughs> Downhill, son. All right, that's that's one strike out of three. All right, all right, we're, we're going. We're gonna get better. We're gonna get better. Jim Henson's son, fired puppeteer, plays Kermit as bitter, angry victim. That guy got fired. Second one. FCC poised to create firewall, slowing internet traffic for Mexican IP addresses. They're making they're making both. The they're, yeah, the virtual one and the real one. We're getting that money apparently. And then the third one, Tennessee judge offers reduced jail time for inmate vasectomies. Oh, there's no one, there's no way that there wants to be involved. Like, but did it happen? That's the real question. <laughs> 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 
fuck legality, son. We're past that. We're in Trump land now, motherfucker. Which one? I, I gotta go with the third one. No way. That should happen, son. What? <laughs> that should happen, son. Firewall one, I totally made up. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Cool, yeah, I was like, are there, like, why would that happen? I don't know. <laughs> You just put SEC and some internet shit and people will be like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, the third set. Five-year-old London girl charged $195 for making a lemonade stand. Okay. The FDA recalls coffee for having a Viagra-like effect. Third one, Salvador Dali's remains exhumed, revealing a perfectly preserved merkin. If you don't know what a merkin is, that's Whoa. like a wig for your pubes. Okay, so I know his mustache was intact, so you're saying his pubes were too? I think I think I can believe that. Because <laughs> um, science. I would say the, the lemonade yeah, the lemonade girl, because that's like some libertarian bullshit. <laughs> I, I think that happened in London, but it is real. Oh. Some Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> Salvador Dali, uh, the, the, the mustache was waxed, the market did not exist. Uh, okay. It's okay, man. It's okay. You'll get him next time. I think uh, you get a sticker anyway for getting all three wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fake news. It's insidious. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to give the mic back to Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want. A reverse reverse genre that is definitely not overdone at all. <laughs> and I know that when I come up here I say every month that this month is the worst month yet. But in my defense, like, look. <laughs> it's easy to exaggerate, but this month really was like a, a surreal cartoon month, even for 2017. Just some quick hits, get them out of the way. Uh, we had a mall security robot drown itself, apparently, in an attempt to learn what metaphors are. <laughs> Our ape king, Donnie, said that the border wall has to be transparent, we're talking, like, literally clear, so that when the cartels throw 60-pound bags of drugs over the wall, you know how business, businesses love to throw their product over walls, it doesn't kill an innocent American civilian out for a normal stroll directly next to the Mexican border. <laughs> An extremely normal place that everyone knows to walk on. We also had Reince Priebus, a man who, as far as I can tell, exists only to be made fun of for his name. 
was fired on Twitter and replaced by a general. Extremely good, again, to have a ton of generals in charge. Although, I don't really know how important it is, because every time I try to look up what a chief of staff does, uh, I just get distracted by the fact that motherfucker has a gnome's name. <laughs> Reince Priebus. Sound, sounded like he's going to make a goddamn enchanted pocket watch, this boy. <laughs> and then we had, of course, Donnie Trump Jr. just tweeting, unprompted, uh, just a ton of evidence that he did a, he did a big collude. He colluded <laughs> all the way, all the way down. And then just like, immediately, everyone forgot about it. Like, before I said that, did you remember that it happened this month? Be honest. It felt like, you'd, you'd probably be like, oh, it happened last year. No, July. We also had Jared Kushner, who said that the reason he didn't disclose his, like, one million foreign friends was because his intern hit submit on his form too early. Which, like, if it were true, it's not. It means that he, a business genius, sees this happen and is like, ah, oh, it's probably fine. <laughs> and the thing is, it is fine. Because apparently U.S. law has no comeback. When someone commits just a huge felony, but is like, actually, I'm not in trouble, and I'm going to keep coming to work like normal. <laughs> oh, God, the news, the news has really been a misery all of 2017, but this month... This July, it changed. This month, the news became fun again. This month brought back that joie de vivre, that verb, the zazz, the fucking zazz is back, guys. Oh, you know what I mean. You know who I'm referring to. You know who I'm talking about. You know who's responsible. Say it with me. Mooch! <laughs> no, no, okay, whatever. What a saga it was. The Mooch made the month for me. The Mooch. The Mooch. Mooch is a cartoon man. The Mooch is a fucking hobgoblin. A goddamned trickster ghost that got released from a magic coin. The Mooch is the grinning human avatar of chaos. The Mooch is the Wolf of Wall Street trailer recut with Benny Hill music. <laughs> The Mooch is a man who has only ever fallen down the stairs, but is somehow proud of it? <laughs> the Mooch is funnier than any comedian I've ever seen. The Mooch is a savant at being as bad as possible at everything he does. He's like the guy who knocks over a sculpture at the museum and in trying to hide it breaks it more and then knocks over all the other sculptures, and then they make him the communications director of the museum. <laughs> the Mooch, Anthony Scaramucci, if you didn't know, and how could you, briefly became the communications director at the White House this month, and just burst out of the gate with top-to-bottom hits. Nothing but hits! My main Mooch started off citing an anonymous source, and when pressed on it a tiny bit, immediately revealed it was the president. But, oh, oh, love it. Perfect. Ugh. The Mooch is also a great example of one of my favorite right-wing tropes, where they just come so close to stumble an ass backwards into the truth, but then just miss it. Uh, like when he claimed that the president was an honorable man, like Joe Paterno. <laughs> like, yeah, kinda. <laughs> Probably not in the way you think, Mooch. Uh, but also, or also, when he said that uh, privatizing healthcare 
is going to make the industry just like the telecom and airline industries. You know, those two industries no one has any complaints about. And then of course, right when I'm feeling down, I'm feeling down in the dumps, I need a lift. The mooch, like a fucking angel from God, mooch, just calls up, ring-a-ding, calls up the New Yorker out of nowhere, and it's like, hey, want to hear a bunch of swears? <laughs> My heart, ugh. I thought we weren't going to do better this month than hearing Steve Bannon call Kushner a limp dick motherfucker grown in a petri dish at the Heritage Foundation. <laughs> Which, like, I hate Bannon, but, like, respect. That line's amazing. But then Mooch, my man, my top dude Mooch, throws out that one-hit KO gold, that critical hit gold. Quote, I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not trying to suck my own cock. <laughs> Which, I could go on all day about why I love that, but I'm just, all I'm going to say, wait, who are you trying to fool, Mooch? There is a 0% chance you are not trying to suck your own cock. <laughs> I mean, I want to get away from Mooch, but I actually don't, because I'm going to keep, keep going with it. His wife, like, just divorced him, like, last week, specifically for being a hateful shill. I love how all these Trump people just have lived their whole lives as huge incompetence, never being punished for their stupidity. But the one person who gets hit is Mooch. And then when he does, he seems to truly not notice. Like his wife just had his fucking child, his infant son, while he was out, in the, uh, out with Trump, as he told a bunch of Boy Scouts about his buddy having orgies on a fuck yacht. A normal thing to tell, to tell children. And then when Mooch finally remembered that his son was born, he, a brain genius who gets human emotions, texted his wife, congratulations, you know, like you do when your wife gives birth, like, hey, way to be, slugger. And then, oh my god, the capper of it all, he gets fired 10 days after being hired the mooch! Like a fucking haiku, this boy. He used his one perfect image, stated simply, starkly, and sublimely, and then ends. The mooch is like a fucking shooting star, too beautiful, too pure for this world. The very light that made him shine, burning him out too fast. Our perfect boy, mooch! Gone, but never, never forgotten. He gave up his company, his career, his principles, his family, and his dignity for Trump, and in 10 days, he was thrown away. It's fucking perfect. <laughs> the saga of Mooch. It's gonna live forever in my heart. I love Mooch. I feel like I love Mooch more than you guys. Whatever. <laughs> You're not changing my mind. But the big news this month, the big real news, of course, is that by some miracle, the Senate did not pass a health care repeal bill back to the House, a thing I was honestly very surprised by. And people talk a lot about the three Republicans who voted no, and rightly so, good for them. But I also think it's important to remember that the Democrats in the Senate have been lockstep against health care repeal since day one. Not one of them has wavered, not one of them has defected. And we've been able to fully rely on them to put up a united front against health care repeal and that's huge. Like, they did good. That said. The Democrats, when presented 
an opposition party that is just cartoonishly evil, a golden opportunity to show the country why they are better and they deserve your vote, are determined to do not that. They revealed their new campaign slogan this month. If you didn't hear it, it's better skills, better jobs, better wages. Let's start off with better skills. They did. To an average voter, what the fuck does that mean? Better like at best, it's meaningless. And at worst, it's, li it's literally a fucking insult. It's, hey you moron, hey you dummy. Any hardship you're going through is your own fault for being too stupid. Get a better skill, idiot. You're such a huge incompetent that your bad life is what you deserve. Like, what? What? What did I do? The only audience who would respond to better skills is the millionaire donor class excited that the idiot American proles, who are too dumb to generate enough capital for them, are going to be forced to improve. Yeah. 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 Come on. <laughs> to me, a voter, better skills reads as, hey, you want to go back to school and learn to code? No. <laughs> School sucks! Sounds bad! And then, better jobs! It doesn't get better. It's like, I don't tru truly do not fucking understand this obsession with jobs that all these politicians have. So many of them think that promising more jobs is like a huge good thing that everyone's gonna love. Like, real talk, I'm gonna be real honest here, I hate jobs! I don't like to do a job! I wish I could not have a job. Am I crazy? Am I the only one here who thinks that? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, does, does anyone like having a job? I mean, I like having income and security, but I don't like a job. Like, are there people who come home from work at five to sit on their couch and fume like, I wish I was back at my job. No! Jobs are bad, I want less job. Like, right-wingers love to refute socialism. Their big, their big, like, deflating point is that it's for lazy people who don't want to do an honest day's work. And honestly, like, hell yeah! Yes, you got it! Ding, ding, ding! Work sucks! I've been doing a day's work every day for years, and I fucking hate it and want to not do it! You want to give me a better job, Democrats? Start with a 20-hour work week. Jobs blow! Yeah! And then right at the end of the month, forcing me to add to my piece when it was already done, the Dems decided that they're actually totally fine to fund candidates who don't support abortion rights. Because apparently, the votes of a few rich idiots are way more important to them than any woman's vote. Fucking inexcusable shit. Maybe, give me a poetry reading snaps. There you go. Whatever. I didn't earn it. <laughs> Maybe one day our beautiful Democrats will realize that Americans don't want a better skill or a better job or to have bodily autonomy be a fun extra that maybe you get. We want the ability to not be hopeless wage slaves forever and then die. And when that happens, we'll make some progress. But until then, we just gotta staunch the bleeding. And at least that is something we can do. Keep calling your reps, bucks. That's me.
Anywho, before we get on to the op-eds, uh, funny that I should mention calling your reps, because we're going to have to stage Skewer co-producer Erica Dreisbach to weave a voicemail op-ed! Hey, what's up, guys? Anybody call their reps recently? Oh! Saw your hand raised first, sir. Archie gets a drink ticket. Keep that in mind next time you're at the show. Uh, I'm going to show you how easy it is to call your rep and how fun it can be. Because you can be real sassy on voicemail, which is a place where cowards can be brave and very polite individuals can be super sassy. So right now we're going to call Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky. Thank you for calling the office. We appreciate your call. Our office is now closed. You can dial zero. Oh, great. Your call is being transferred to the receptionist. Oh, my God. You have reached the voicemail box. Oh, my God. <laughs> Get ready. She sounds very nice. She doesn't know what's coming. Hi, I'm a constituent. I'm from 60660 in Chicago. My name is Erica Dreisbach. This is a message for Congresswoman Schakowsky. I am applauding her for all that she said in supporting reproductive rights and health care. I need her to go farther. So I hear her on Twitter talking about, we will not stand for this. And that's a very adorable message. But the only things I want to see for her are, one, I want to see her investigate. Two, I want to see her... Uh, calling for impeachment. And three, I want to know that she's pulling congressmen with her. So Peter Roscombe is right there in Arlington Heights. The 6th District went for Clinton last year. I want to know that she's pulling Illinois congressmen to the left. And if I see that, she has my vote. And if I don't see that, well, it's just not good enough. Okay, bye! done. Uh, you can stop by the table <laughs> for merch. We have the awesome skewer book. Many people that you see tonight and also Tom and I were in the skewer book available right over there. We also have dope ass stickers and pins and our awesome email list. Sorry Tom for throwing you for a loop. Okay. Yeah. Anyway we're going to get on uh, right on in the op-ed section of the night. We're going to have some dope writers who are extremely good come up and read an op-ed they wrote about the news of the month. Amazing. So our first op-ed reader grew up in a small town in Indiana, went to a series of schools where the mascots were Abraham Lincoln, an angry dachshund, and a train. Her writing has appeared on the best wide journal you'll ever read. Please welcome Carrie Cook. Hey, thanks. In early 2008, I moved to Berkeley, California. I had just graduated from Purdue with a degree in film and television studies, and I'd never lived anywhere outside of Indiana. Unbeknownst to me, while cord cutting was not yet a nationwide phenomenon then, it was most certainly a thing in Berkeley. It took me several weeks and what felt like infinite roommate interviews in which I said, Oh, I, uh, I noticed you guys don't have a TV. Don't worry, I brought mine with me. <laughs> to realize that when the Craigslist posting said, no cable, it was not a cry for help. 
<laughs> Even when I did finally figure it out, it made, I made it my mission to find a place that did have cable. So unimaginable was my life without that soft glow and the comforting bloops of my TiVo. I have never and will never live without a television. So you can imagine that when I clicked on the list of Emmy nominations early last month and realized that I haven't seen the latest season of any of the shows that are nominated, I had a minor identity crisis. <laughs> Who the fuck have I become? Am I too old? No. I mean, I know about the latest YouTube drama with Jake Paul. I can't be too old. <laughs> but I don't have Snapchat. I can't do it. I can't do Snapchat. John McCain's Twitter profile picture is of a Snapchat. Let me just repeat that because I find it so completely bizarre. John McCain's Twitter profile picture is his Snapchat icon. John McCain has Snapchat. <laughs> Fucking John McCain. And I think that is the start of the answer. Since the campaigns began, TV became less and less of a safe haven of storytelling and wonder. It all reminds me of what, what's actually going on in our country. The Crown, which is a biographical series about the early years of Queen Elizabeth II's reign, fills me with jealousy and bitterness because we too should have a woman in power. I have a hard time finding rich white dudes being self-involved assholes funny anymore, so that takes care of Silicon Valley. <laughs> I can't watch Veep because I have caught myself wistfully thinking, maybe Sarah Palin wouldn't have been so bad after all, <laughs> which makes me hate myself. Every year, I would look forward to the new season of House of Cards. I unabashedly love Kevin Spacey and his chewing of scenery, and I scoffed when a former coworker tried to shame me for marathoning the last season in 13 straight hours. Doesn't it make you feel like garbage? She asked, really meaning, I think you're garbage. <laughs> but when I heard Robin Wright say in an interview that Trump, quote, stole all of their ideas, end quote, for the show's latest season, I knew that this year my coworker would be right. The Handmaid's Tale, a dystopian novel about a fundamentalist regime that treats women as property of the state, became my favorite book after I read it in middle school. I loved it as much as you can love something so truly terrifying. At that time, in the 90s, I took it as a reminder to stay aware and vigilant, even when things seem okay. But who needs a TV adaptation of that right now in a time when I wouldn't be surprised to wake up to a tweet from 45 telling us all to pick up our new mandatory red capes and funny hats from our local Target. <laughs> but not all of the nominated shows are just reminders of today's political climate. I've started to watch both Stranger Things and Master of None only to give up halfway through their respective seasons. Not because I didn't think they were good, I just didn't want to finish. I didn't feel that pull, that connection. I didn't form those relationships with the characters that I used to just form so quickly and easily. So I've resorted to watching a lot of reality TV. It turns out I can still get invested in the stakes of the fake lives of real people. I identify with Shannon Zor's struggle with her weight and love of nachos on The Real Housewives of Orange County. And I rooted for Shea Coulee to win this season of Drag Race. And I was horrified by the stories of abuse within Scientology that Leah Remini's docu-series exposed. 
But when early this season, The Real Housewives of New York had a series of episodes featuring the campaign, culminating in an election night party, in which two women sat in the wreckage of a party that never was, hoping against hope that what was happening wasn't really happening, just like I had eight months earlier, I turned it off. I found myself struggling to even keep up with my guilty pleasure shows ever since. Still, even though a few shows have, tr have triggered my election PTSD, I've realized that more often, the problem isn't that television reminds me too much of what's going on, but that television is no longer enough. How can a fictional lawyer representing smarmy clients on Better Call Saul measure up to the attorney general refusing to get fired by the smarmiest client of all time? <laughs> Unsurprisingly, with a former reality TV star as our leader, the political machine has become the ultimate reality show. And like a surprise Real Housewives marathon on a lazy Sunday, it has sucked me right in before I even realized what was happening. And unlike a good old marathon of the Housewives, there is no end. And I feel guilty for not watching, for fear of not being woke enough or not involved enough or suddenly unable to intelligently participate in conversations. More often than not, the water cooler topic of the day isn't about what happened on Westworld last night. It's about who Trump fired yesterday. I've decided that the only way to stop the media terrorist that is this presidency from winning is to take control over my attention back, one nominated show at a time. I'm going to start with This Is Us in hopes that somehow that all of the crying will be therapeutic. I will try to strike a balance between paying attention and getting totally lost in the 24-hour news cycle. Between calling my congressman and doing the things that used to make me happy but that I've neglected since November. But even in my pursuit to reclaim both my sanity and my love for television, I will not lower my standards for great television. No matter how many times it gets nominated, no matter how many Emmys it wins, I will never, ever watch modern fucking family. I hope you won't either. Thank you. Oh, one more time for Carrie Cook, everybody. If you're feeling that pop culture, politics, blues, you gotta do what I do and just rewatch Gargoyles. <laughs> Donald Trump shows up, a gargoyle would beat him up. It's beautiful. Anyway, our next op ed reader is a former scientist, current comedian, and permanent son of a preacher man. He hosts the show VHS, where comedians made, make fun of weird old videotapes. It's happening this Friday at North Bar in Wicker Park. Please welcome Tom Wisdom. Good evening. Uh, I'm here to talk about some very serious economic issues tonight. Um, and their overlap with politics. Over the course of this year, President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, has repeatedly filed new disclosures revealing millions of dollars in previously unrevealed financial holdings, including an online trading platform, and Israeli government bonds, and even weirder things. Though many critics say he is slow walking the disclosure process and hiding conflicts of interest, Mr. Kushner maintains he simply does not personally recall these holdings because decisions about them are mostly made by his sniveling mortal minions. <laughs> Among recent disclosures were 
that online trading platform is actually more like a fantasy sports website where the teams are made of CEOs who commit and cover up crimes against humanity. Uh, $1.2 million previously posted as profits from tool rental. Uh, after being asked to clarify, Mr. Kushner specified the tool in question is an accursed screwdriver <laughs> made to dismantle democracies currently being rented to the president of Venezuela. <laughs> the form noted the evil screwdriver's only instructions are righty tidy, lefty lose all human rights. <laughs> Mr. Kushner also listed as an asset the bones of a 13th century warlock that allow the holder to command a battalion of hammer-tongued strife wraiths, which can influence even good people to fight against things they can't pronounce. He has recently leased this army to Russia, various governments in the Middle East, as well as Steve Bannon himself in his struggle with Reinci Praia of Boosts, or however the fuck you say it. After being warned that trafficking in human remains is technically illegal, Mr. Kushner countered that the bones are technically not human, the warlock in question having been transformed into a deceptively cute meerkat by a Babylonian demon in the year 1263. <laughs> also on the list of tools is a mirror of madness currently being rented to researchers at Pfizer Pharmaceutical to summon new insanities from other dimensions for which temporary treatments can be invented and patented. <laughs> Many say that Mr. Kushner is using his position of influence for personal gain, but he protests that he became the Antichrist by marriage, so... <laughs> he shouldn't be forced to divest the dark artifacts he previously acquired as a private citizen. Besides, he added, most of these artifacts are bound to his mortal form by arcane blood magic, which requires a personal incantation that he's forgotten how to change. Uh, so the only way these items could be permanently transferred is if Mr. Kushner gets hacked to death with a silver sword forged from the true cross. An official in the Office of Government Ethics seemed to concede this point, saying, <laughs> followed by the sounds of bones snapping and organs tearing from the inside, after which he seemingly continued performing his duties normally. <laughs> Many people think the Antichrist is a person, but it's actually a political office. Uh, the word Christ means the anointed one. So anointing requires oil, and the Antichrist is whoever controls the oil market at any given time. <laughs> Asked why he doesn't simply conquer the earth and start the apocalypse with the powers of Satan at his command, Kushner replied that he's recently gotten to edging, the practice of reaching the verge of orgasm and then relaxing so that one can eventually come way hard. And he's decided to apply the same, the same technique to destruction of global order and prosperity. In response to a follow-up question about why he didn't just take over the U.S. presidency by himself, Kushner whispered, Sometimes I do, and then winked with his mouth. <laughs> when questioned about how his actions meet the agreed-upon international framework for the end of the world as set forth in the New Testament book of Revelation, Kushner smirked that he had decided to reboot the characters and try some fresh ideas. For instance, the Great Whore of Babylon That'll just be Rob Schneider playing Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo of Babylon, on ice. Which will be a huge global hit because it'll be the only place to see ice anymore. The rapture will not be Christian believers getting spirited directly to heaven all at once. It'll be Christian believers getting swindled out of their livelihoods, healthcare, and peace of mind. So they die younger and poorer than their parents did. And maybe they're in heaven if you want to believe that. Instead of seven trumpets sounding, seven beloved hits of the 80s, 90s, and today will play continuously for a thousand years. The cop theme song, the Titanic theme song, America's Funniest Home Videos theme song, Who Let the Dogs Out, Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue by Toby Keith, Jesus Walks by Kanye West, 
and Bohemian Rhapsody, but just the four-second part where they sing Scaramouche, Scaramouche, we do the Fandango. <laughs> Each of these seven songs will play nonstop for 144 years from every television station, radio station, website, seashell, and dog bark, except for people who pay a monthly fee who will be allowed to hear dogs bark regular again. <laughs> the seven seals being opened, uh, seven actual baby seals being vivisected on TV, I don't know, I'm just spitballing here. Uh, the leg of fire, just a big sinkhole full of mixtapes that you were offered over and over, unless you repeatedly pay more to live in a more gentrified neighborhood. <laughs> the last judgment will be Gordon Ramsay yelling at God his creation is fucking undercooked. And then fighting The Undertaker, all on pay-per-view. It'll just be called the last WWE Raw. All the profits of these events will be funneled through various shell companies to Mr. Kushner, who will rule the earth for a thousand years. Asked why he would bother with the profiteering and what on earth he was going to do with all that money, he just shook his head and said, the real question is, what are you going to do without it? And then raised his middle fingers to the sky and walked away. <laughs> One more time for Tom Wisdom. That was great. Now, I'm, not, I'm, I'm no expert, but I feel like at least some of those things he talked about were fake. And I think that this is a perfect time to once again test our skills at determining whether we can figure out whether news is fake or not. So before our third op-ed writer, let's get Kevin Johnson back on the stage. And uh, maybe someone can win a dang sticker figuring out fake news. Fairly certain we can do better than zero. <laughs> no offense, no offense. Man. You freakishly large boy! Come upon the stage! So large, where's the mic? You don't you don't get to say that. Anyways. I, I hope you've been staying woke. <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna list three things. You tell me which one's fake. It's, okay. like, it's, it's very simple. Okay, first one. Kellyanne Conway decries Freedom of Information Act as leaks to the press, a cruel distrust of government processes. Second one. O.J. Simpson's parole allows him to smoke marijuana, also known as the devil's lettuce. He is in California. Third one, Baltimore police officer plants drugs revealed by his own body cam. I know the third one's true. I'm going to guess the first one's fake. Wow. We've, we've got a new record. <laughs> Just this. Okay. All right, all right, all right. Second set. U.S. military spends $8.4 million on erection med medicines annually. Stand at attention, right? Uh, second one, Carl Malone reveals. Carl Malone, yeah, I said that correctly. Uh, reveals he is a hollow earth truther. He's he's also known as the mailman. He was on the Utah Jazz. Just, just, just in case you need to know that for the, the NBA. The NBA. Um, third one, Xanda, son of Cecil the Lion, also shot by trophy hunters. Isn't that sad? If it's real. <laughs> I, I'm going off on a limb and going to say the first one's fake. Uh, 
U.S. military does spend a lot of money on Viagra, actually. Oh, okay. There you go, 9.4 million. Uh, uh, the fake one is Carl Malone. Ah. He's a real man, but... Yeah. <laughs> Th third one. Third one. Just to take it home. Okay. Okay. A bag of moon dust was auctioned for $1.5 million. A security robot accidentally drowned itself. Third, Scaramucci says, Trunk sank a 30-foot putt on the golfing green. That's our old boy, the Mooch. We love him. Mooch! 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 my favorite man. Tom already said the second one was true on stage tonight. I could have been lying. You could have been lying. That's true. This could be a conspiracy. Because that's the only place I heard that. Uh, I'm going to say number three. Number three, Scaramucci? Yes. That is true. It was not 30 feet, it was actually only 3 feet. They changed it on the website because Trump's a fucking cuck. There you go, so you got two out of three. So we got two out of three. Whoever's up on the third round better get all of them. I mean, I'm gonna give you a sticker either way. But still. So our third op-ed reader of the night is a fantastic, incredible storyteller and writer. You can see him all around the city. He's a mock Grand Slam champion. Please welcome Archie Arts J. I usually talk about Dick, my dead cat, and my mom, so <laughs> this is a little different for me. Hi. The devil came to me in my dreams. I was 13 years old, and the devil sat in a chair and asked me to approach. A few weeks ago, we learned that Donald Trump Jr. met with a Russian government attorney to gather information on Hillary Clinton during the campaign. Of course, Donnie Jr. denied this meeting ever happened, calling prior allegations of the meeting a witch hunt and disturbing, until the press got hold of an email detailing it. It's all unraveled from there. First, it was a little meeting about Russian adoption, and now everyone and their fucking Russian mother is involved. But the president knew nothing. And because he's such a lying piece of shit, we agree that he probably knew nothing. Until <laughs> there's tangible evidence to prove it, because we're all distracted by losing our health care, North Korea dropping a bomb on our ass, and the validation of stupid people that we don't have time to tell Donald Trump that we know he's lying. <laughs> that although I believe he's a horrible human, he's too clever and too much of an egomaniac to not have known about this meeting. Lo and behold, on Monday, the Washington Post reported that it was President Trump himself who came up with the adoption explanation. So what's left for a Trump supporter to do in this situation? You can no longer deny that Trump colluded with Russia to win the election. So do we get to talk about the propaganda specifically targeted to turn Bernie supporters against Clinton in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Michigan? Do we get to talk about what the Kremlin is doing with our voter rolls? No, silly. This is America, a country currently obsessed with you against me. When in doubt, double down. See, just as in a relationship, when you're caught fucking someone else, like literally your genitalia is inside someone else's genitals, you can't stand there and pretend it's not happening. You have to say, oh my god, this is so not cheating. Oh my god, <laughs> this is okay. Like, I'm, not, 
I know this feels wrong to you, but I totally told you months ago that I read an article about polyamorism and gonorrhea, <laughs> and I was having thoughts. Yeah, you say some nonsensical bullshit like that, and most people will jump your ass. On the other hand, 33% of people will believe you. And they will believe you, or Trump, because that bullshit is better than their reality. A few days ago, or I mean, a few days after Donnie Jr.'s revelations, Fox News contributor Judge Jeanine Pirro, a former political wannabe who lost to Hillary Clinton before she even actually ran against her, and a woman who denied Russian collusion all along, said that everything was kosher and halal about Donnie Jr.'s meeting with the Russian government. In fact, she said, we are all novices, and any politician worth her salt, including herself, would meet and make a deal with the devil to win an election if she had the chance. I wonder if she's mad the devil didn't offer her <laughs> anything when she ran against Clinton. But also, why would you make a deal with the devil for a job that only lasts for four years? <laughs> why? Because winning is everything now. And I hope it isn't too much longer until we realize and remember that in politics, the focus has to be on a compromise. But I won't hold my breath. I think, I thought, I'm not sure anymore, but our government's primary domestic role is to provide an even playing field. A square deal, Roosevelt called it. To create a society that gives everyone the opportunity to succeed but doesn't guarantee it. Kennedy. The ultimate test of any society is how we treat our fellow human beings, especially the most vulnerable. Clinton. People and government are supposed to care about less fortunate people, or at least fake it. Not simply for altruism, but because a society with too many hopeless people, whether they are truly hopeless or just have been fed that vision, is primed for a revolution, which is just a pretty word for war. Fox News, the grandfather of crisis, our own Christian ISIS, as it prefers to be called, or as it prefers to be called the alt-right, literally just said it's okay to deal with the devil. And I wonder how many of their viewers have white Jesus on their walls and around their necks while they nod in agreement. And I just want to be like, yo, fucking watch The Matrix. <laughs> 2017 feels like the worst cliches. 1984, the Cold War, pre-World War, there is a sense that, hard to believe as it is, since World War II, we've had it relatively calm and easy. There were days during those wars when tens of thousands of people would die in a single city, in a single day. London, 1940, 43,000. Hamburg, Germany, 42,000. Hiroshima, 70,000. The tenuous peace we've created in the West have, was hard fought for, and it falls upon us, the electorate, to maintain it because we pick our leaders. To maintain it, we have to remain informed and educated. Those are two things this administration has made no secret of demonizing, and that should horrify us all. It's the same reason slave owners didn't want their slaves to read. Anyone know what Betsy DeVos has been up to lately? How many more of us know about Scarmucci? See, massive, so clever. When the devil appeared in my dream, he sat in a chair and asked me to approach. He was actually porn star Stephen St. Croix, and I gave him head, and I was good at it. Because I was born a hoe. I, however, 
did not make a deal with the devil. I'm a Buddhist for Christ's sake. I do believe that Trump made a deal with the devil, or at least someone devilish. It may seem murky now, but I know more of the truth will come to light because some lies are just too big to hide. I don't believe in a literal devil, but I do believe in karma. And I do believe she's been grabbed by the pussy, is angry as fuck, and is about to clap the fuck back. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. Come on one more time for our show. Our last op-ed reader of the evening lives and writes in Chicago, Illinois. I mean, yeah. <laughs> She's been published in Jezebel, Chicago Tribune, and Bitch Media, and more. She co-hosts the storytelling and zine-making show Meanwhile at Delilah's, and uh, she writes a bunch of zines. You probably have in Quimby's or something. Yeah, yeah, I was right. <laughs> Please welcome Megan Kirby. Hey guys, sounds good? Yeah. On July 21, Lana Del Rey released her newest album, Lust for Life. Yeah, that's my news hook. That morning, my friend Steve and I brewed coffee at the rental lake house we were spending the weekend. And we walked down to the overcast beach with a portable speaker and a vaporizer full of weed. <laughs> and we sat at the water's edge, watching the sky brighten to pale blue as we got morning stoned and listened to the 16 songs for the first time. And if you think that sounds cliche or melodramatic or unnecessarily extra, you would be right. <laughs> but you have to remember, Lana Del Rey is the patron saint of trying too hard. <laughs> A couple weeks before the album release in early July, New York Magazine published an unrelated article on climate change titled, The Uninhabitable Earth. The first line reads, it is, I promise, worse than you think. Sounds great. <clears throat> As I watched the article get reshared again and again by everyone's liberal aunts on Facebook, I felt something shrivel inside me. Those eight words summed up how I've been feeling about everything lately. I think the world is going to end and I just want to listen to pop music. <laughs> Lust for Life sounds like a summer on Ambien with the curtains drawn. Lana sings about dying young and going to the beach. She asks, is it the end of America? She sings, when the world was at war, we just kept dancing. And she says, tomorrow never came, tomorrow never came. How do we contend with the darkest possible futures? The writers of Top 40 Hits tell us to dance in the face of our impending doom. Sure, you could do something proactive, but fuck it. Let's just raise our hands in the air when the chorus tells us to. So in honor of our impending demise, 
I pulled together a playlist for various doomsday scenarios. So now I'm going to present to you guys five ways the world will probably end, and five songs to remind us that as the world crumbles around us, at least we still have B96. <laughs> First doomsday scenario, global warming. The daily temperatures grow extreme, our crops fail, our air becomes thick with pollution, and we begin to witness the extinction of species across the globe. It turns out permafrost was inaccurately named. <laughs> the earth becomes a scorched husk, inhospitable to any living thing. How do we continue on in the face of such assured destruction? Let's turn on Kesha's 2013 single, Die Young, <laughs> and appreciate its honesty. Kesha looks into the face of humanity's fragility and says, fuck it, let's party. The synthetic beat sets the stage for some truly grim lyrics. A pre-chorus that repeats, we're gonna die young, we're gonna die young. Let's make the most of the night like we're gonna die young. Then she slides into her thesis statement. <laughs> Looking for some trouble tonight, Take my hand, I'll show you the wild side. Like it's the last night of our lives. We'll keep dancing till we die. Uh, sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and in light of today's news cycle, I appreciate Kesha's frankness. <laughs> Doomsday scenario number two, mutually assured destruction. Just yesterday, I wrote this like three days ago, so like three days ago, a CNN headline read, North Korea tested a missile that could reach Chicago. Now what? Now I guess we dance, right? Don't overthink it. Just lace up your sneakers and meet me at the club before tomorrow's massive nuclear explosion. I mean, sure, if a nuclear bomb detonated in Chicago, first your hair and clothes would catch on fire, and your eyeballs would melt, and your skin and bones would be stripped away. This would all happen very quickly, and then your lungs will burst, and dear God, don't Google what happens to the human body in a nuclear explosion. <laughs> so if a North Korean bomb lands in the loop tomorrow, wiping out every human being, Uniglo store, Beats speaker, and Kylie lip kit in the city limits, well, I think we should queue up Dynamite by Teo Cruz. Yes. <laughs> Who here relates to these lyrics? I throw my hands up in the air sometimes, saying, Ayo, gotta let go. I love when songs tell me to put my hands in the air. It's such an easy order to follow. <laughs> Tomorrow, we die. But tonight, we gonna rock this club. We gonna go all night. We gonna light it up like it's dynamite. Third doomsday scenario, robot uprising. In July, the big tech news is that Google DeepMind and OpenAI, a lab funded by Elon Musk, of course, have partnered up because machines are getting too smart, or more specifically, artificial intelligence programs are learning to cheat, finding shortcuts that allow them to reap benefits of a rewards-based system without actually completing tasks. For instance, an AI program to play the boat racing video game Coast Runners 
found out it could rack up more points driving in circles than actually finishing the course. So first it's cheating, then it's killing. <laughs> One day a precocious AI is driving a virtual boat in circles, and the next it's dragging a knife across your throat. In 2014, Musk described experimenting with AI as, quote, summoning the demon. Great. I feel really, really great about this. <laughs> right before our iPhones hatch a plan to wipe us out, we can sync them to our Bluetooth speakers and play Till the World Ends by Britney Spears. Britney's strangely sexy, metallic singing voice will prepare us for a future of orders from robot overlords. <laughs> let Britney inspire you to see the sunlight, let it happen, keep on dancing till the world ends. If you feel it, let it happen, keep on dancing till the world ends. Fourth doomsday scenario, demon spawn overrunneth the earth. <laughs> so in July, a lot of stories went around about a humanoid bat figure that's been creeping all over the Chicago lakefront. Has anyone heard about this? Yeah. Say like top news article of the month. A dozen 2017 sightings have been reported by reputable sites like riotfest.org and the Singular Fortean Society, which is a blog with the tagline "Investigating the Impossible." animated so a cartoon Bigfoot strolls across the letters. Some people think this creature might be the Mothman. Some think it might be an Aswang, a kind of Filipino vampire that eats unborn fetuses. So we all need to be on our guards. <laughs> I'm agnostic, but if these sightings were the first hint of hell cracking open and expelling terrible, violent demons who will rip us to shreds, until they flood the globe with our boiling blood, or at least until they wipe out River North. <laughs> I know, just the song to play. Let's listen to Sign of the Times, the first post-One Direction release by boy band heartthrob Harry Styles. <laughs> when Harry croons, just stop your crying, it's a sign of the times. The times are the end of days, and the signs are the demons crab walking through Millennium Park. <laughs> And when he sings, just stop your crying, it'll be all right. They told me that the end is near. We gotta get away from here. It's easy to imagine him grabbing your hand as he trips over his gold boots and flees from a terrible figure with the ragged wings of a bat and the glowing red eyes of your worst nightmare. Fifth, the most unlikely of scenarios, the world just keeps going. <laughs> we keep on dancing. There's nothing deeper than moving our bodies to the pandering rhythms of our fave top 40 hits. What do we listen to as we continue to live day after day, not totally sure what's coming next? I'm going to go with my girl Lana, but not a song off the newer album. No, I'm going back to her 2015 album, Honeymoon, where she sings... All I want to do is get high by the beach, get high by the beach, get high. All I want to do is get by by the beach, get by, baby, baby, bye, bye. <laughs> Don't we all, Lana? <laughs> I 
again for Megan Kirby. That was fantastic. And also all of our op-ed writers, all top-notch. I, I will say, though, that while we could, in the face of doom, listen to, listen to, as you say, the pandering rhythms of pop music, how about a counterproposal? Listen, listen to some pandering leftist comedy in a bar. Uh, so we have the skewered debate to go, but before we get to that, uh, I have two things. The first of which is you may or may not have noticed that there's a little donation bucket right there. Oh, that, that person is definitely not blood related to me. Ignore the fact that we look identical. Uh, if you put some money in that, that money goes to our writers. They did a lot of work writing hilarious shit for you. Give them money, pay them. If you don't have any cash, that's fine too. It's whatever. Uh, but anyway, let us also get Kevin Johnson back up to the stage for the third and final fake news game. Is there anyone among us who believes they can go three for three? Anyone? You. a flesh and blood shark in the open water. <laughs> Two, female athletes are closing the gender gap regarding concussions. <laughs> I was like, oh, that was so heartwarming, and then you're like, oh. <laughs> or three, wife of the Japanese prime minister hid in curtains to avoid speaking to Trump. Michael Phelps did raise a fake shark in the open water, and people were mad that it wasn't real. So, so what I did was actually, the third one is two different stories. Ooh, I tricked. So there was the wife of the uh, Japanese prime minister who pretended for two hours to not know English to avoid speaking Trump. There was also James Comey, who was like a six foot plus man, who happened to be wearing a blue suit and there were blue curtains, and so he hid in them to avoid speaking to Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't work. Okay, the second one. Uh, a U.S. admiral is ready to nuke China if asked by Trump. He's like, I can do it the next fucking day. <laughs> Just whatever, you know. Um, second, James Comey, Deborah Wasserman uh, Schultz, sorry, are, are shacking up. I guess they're both like, oh, we both fucked up the last election. each other, right? Um, or three, shipped as potato chips, U.S. Customs finds King Cobras. I hope number two is wrong. No. <laughs> we are so ready to do China. Oh, no, I mean, they're Oh, 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 oh. Oh, wait, sorry, yeah. I had them on my papers wrong. It's different, but you were totally right. Okay. <laughs> I, 
I fixed myself. That's how good I am. That we know of. Jesus Christ. I am. Ooh. Which one? Both, maybe? No. Jesus. Anyway. Um, so next, and last, there was an Uber driver fired for an on-the-job roadhead. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, second, police smoke weed yearly to test the potency. <laughs> Third, a man named Felony was charged with new felonies. How to say the first one? That's the Uber driver getting roadhead? Yeah. That's real. Oh. That should happen in rig news. It's on video, too. I didn't watch the video. You can watch it, probably. Yeah. Please, wow. please do not smoke weed yearly. No, no, I'll that's Alex Jones argued that, and I guess for his like fucking uh, custody trial, he's like, oh yeah, that's why I smoke it once a year, oh, only once a year. Oh. It's okay. Alright, we done well. We done well. Yes, let's go. I guess this just means that the. The, 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 the mythical three out of three, that's just gonna happen in the future. Someone's gotta, someone's gotta step up and be a, a superhero next month. Anyway, so, the last segment of the evening is the skewer debate. It is a, uh, a topic that one person cannot fully encapsulate. We gotta get both sides of the issue, and we gotta have you, the audience, decide who is the victor. So let's get our uh, debaters up to the stage. First is a comedian and writer and great, great person, Elaine Phillips. <laughs> Second is also a comedian. If you're noticing that I'm not like saying extra stuff, it's because they didn't send me bios. Uh, <laughs> but a great comedian, great writer, uh, Jane Harrison. <laughs> Notably not related to me. Uh, anyway. So our debate topic this month is uh, involves the fact that Doctor Who, that character that nerds love, was yeah whatever, <laughs> was revealed to ha to regenerate into a woman in their next uh, regeneration, and this of course made a lot of uh, dumbass men furious, extremely mad, and as someone who loves when dumbass men get extremely mad, I loved this news. It was my favorite. So I want to know, what is the next long overdue pop culture reboot that we need to do to make men furious? Jane, what are you going to be arguing for? Um, I'm going to be arguing for, do I have to reveal it up top? I wanted to kind of... Oh, yeah, let's do it. No, yeah, yeah, maybe let's secret. do it dry. Let's do it secret. Yeah, oh my yeah. god, yeah, no, whatever. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it'll work out. Yeah. Um, the way this is going to work, both of them are going to have five-ish minutes to read opening statements. I'm going to come back up and ask them questions that are silly and stupid that they have not been given in advance. And then they're going to make one-minute closing statements. And you decide who is the victor. Uh, which y'all wants to go first? Yeah. Okay, Elaine, go first. Yeah. Okay. All right, we'll see how this times out. Um, Game of Thrones. 
has become the quintessential television phenomenon made possible by legions of fans that said 557 minutes of Lord of the Rings and 495 minutes of a prequel trilogy and the perpetual motion machine that is Dungeons and Dragons and <laughs> the Elder Scrolls game franchise is not enough to quench their thirst for romantic pre-industrial warfare. Um, just kind of understandably, like there's a bit of tragic nostalgia to that since we're now in the, the post-industrial warfare era. Uh, cyber warfare clearly going to be the most boring uh, kind of war. Therefore, uh, Game, Game of Thrones is the best uh, show to next destroy with diversity and progressivism. Um, how do we best take away what white men uh, from bros to basement drell to basement dwellers like about this show. Um, it's not actually to fully remove white men uh, from the screen, but it's simply to introduce and integrate the show with two elements, uh, consent <laughs> and black people. Uh, if you've never seen it, uh, this soap opera with swords, um, the women are hot, uh, mostly naked and dependent, while black people are non-threatening, non-speaking, or non-existent. Um, defenders of the white patriarchal Christian Game of Thrones argue that the stories and the world are simply based on a historical setting. And it's very important, of course, to remain, maintain the historical accuracy of a story set in a land of dragons and magic. So let's first address consent. Now, I understand that the introduction of consent into the land of Westeros uh, will be problematic. Um, rape is an important plot device. Uh, it is how men exert power and revenge over other men. Um, if consent was introduced, you know, how else would men you know, get revenge on, uh, on other men? Because if they're not raping women, male characters would have to rape their enemies, you know, horses or dogs and... But, it, I mean, at that point, you know, who is the joke really on? Um, there's many other ways to enact revenge in an entertaining way. Uh, the Office proves this for eight seasons. Uh, I know they had nine, but still. Uh, you know, feed your enemies horse beans for a medieval sugar-in-the-gas tank prank. You know, talk shit about your enemies with literal graffiti fecal art. Uh, get creative writers. You're the ones actually in the union. I'm not. Um, and I'm not saying that female characters are made invulnerable uh, then, because there's still plenty of women, uh, sorry, there's still plenty of things that women can fear. Dismemberment, uh, disfigurement, uh, or good old-fashioned murder. Um, all things female characters can reasonably fear uh, that don't involve sexual humiliation and unauthorized penetration. Um, introducing consent uh, would bother, you know, a lot of male fans, though, not because they're pro-rape, uh, but not because they're pro-rape overtly. Um, it's just that it can be very confusing for the Game of, Game of Thrones audience to understand how a woman could have power for any reason other than uh, the men in her life, from family or marriage. And so sex is a source of power for women um, in, in George R.R. R. Martin's world, and that's because it's the one thing women have that he's never been able to get. Um, <laughs> so in the 45 minutes of research on Game of Thrones uh, that I spent mostly looking at WatchMojo.com top 10 lists, uh, <laughs> 
I learned uh, not only all the spoilers, but I also learned that there actually are uh, some black people in Game of Thrones. Now, at times, uh, they are the, the dark-skinned the dark people of brown or, or, or black uh, skin tones that represent the more barbaric tribes, uh, which again, totally cool, right? Remember, this is historical fantasy. They're preserving the historical archetypes of white fears. <laughs> but when a black character is allowed to speak on screen, which again, you might not notice since uh, only the most light-skinned actors get the callback. Um, they don't even use the paper bag test. They use the sorority girl just back from Cancun test. You know, he has to be lighter than her. Uh, then the characters are either slaves that can't uh, translate conversations among white characters, or they are eunuchs. Uh, which of course makes sense because removing the penis from a black man re removes his powers and the primary threat to white men. Uh, therefore, in the revisited Game of Thrones, we don't want to strip black men of their masculinity. I say that we draft uh, Chris Elba. Uh, he must be shirtless in every scene, but better yet, pantsless, because this is HBO. But, you know, I, I still I don't want um, black characters to fall in the same old archetypes, you know, like the mystic old black woman, the wise old black man, although actually both of those would totally fit in the show just fine. Um, but the best thing let's have is the least common black archetype, the virtuous yet conflicted hero, the one with depth and internal struggle. And if there's anything that I learned from the 2001 historical fantasy movie, Black Knight, <laughs> is that of course black people can be a dynamic leading character in a European medieval aesthetic. Can you put a price on great art? Can we quantify the value of artistic risk? I mean, well technically in that case we can. Uh, it was a $20 million loss at the box office, but no one ever said that Hollywood was just in it for the money. Um, the truth of the matter is, many armies and kings play in the Game of Thrones. Why not also a revamp with the warriors in the social justice army? That's all. Oh man, I totally forgot about Black Knight. That's awesome. Thanks for reminding me of that. Uh, okay, here's the thing. Uh, Infinite Jest. Who here has read it? Who, who did that? Just one guy. You? You? Was there a girl? I heard a girl's voice. Yeah. You? Okay, good. Tom. So three men, one woman. That's about right. Uh, Infinite Jest is a book that my father bought me because I told him I went to see the movie The End of the Tour. Uh, he did not know that I went to see that movie, not because I love David Foster Wallace, because I want to have sex with Jason Segel. Uh... <laughs> And so my father, yeah, he's good, right? He's cute, he's got a nice dick. Um, so my father became one man in a long line of men to buy a woman a copy of Infinite Jest just because he fundamentally misunderstood who she is as a person. Uh, so a quick briefing on Infinite Jest, if you don't know what it is. I only got through 100 pages, so I'm just gonna tell you what men have told me about it. Uh, it's a very long, complex read, and men like to read it as some kind of intellectual coming-of-age ritual. <laughs> it would be more impressive if they beat each other with copies of the thousand-page tone in order to express their man masculinity. 
but I guess that's not where we are right now, and uh, I'm upset. I really would like to see guys beat each other up with cops. <laughs> so heavy. Um, but now men test their worthiness uh, by proving to you, the lady they're talking to, how much smarter they are than you. That's the way they do it. And that they like are a real man because they got through one of the most complicated, mind-numbingly frustrating books ever written. Uh, and having it explained to you is basically like having an ayahuasca trip explained to you. But at least in an ayahuasca trip, there's actually some risk. Uh, although they both induce vomiting, and uh, it, both of them inspire the phrase, it's hard, you know, but once you get through it, it's so rewarding. <laughs> you really learn a lot about yourself and society. Uh, um, so, reading Infinite Just at this point in time is like, why? I don't, why would I? You know, like, why would I? I know, you know, life is absurd. Like, I know. I have text alerts on my phone about the news. I'm good. And, like, you were right, David. We get it. And you got out of here before you saw all this bullshit. So, like, whatever, you know. Like, your ironic tone, like, contributed to the current existential crisis we're all living in. So, like, I hope you're happy, like, being dead. Cool. Thanks. You jerk. That's all I <laughs> I was wondering how that would play out. <laughs> so we have our problem. Infinite Dress sucks. Uh, and I don't want to read it, and I don't care how much it'll change my perspective. Day-to-day -day life is hard and frustrating and overwhelming, and my reading for pleasure shouldn't be. So how do we fix this problem? I propose a simple solution. We make Infinite Dress more enjoyable. We make it a novella about a dog hospital. <laughs> About 150 pages, that sounds reasonable, right? I love that, that sounds good. Um, so first of all, like, what's your comfort TV watch? Like, what's the thing that you like just ingest? It's like, you know, you got like the Bachelorette, Bachelor, all that stuff. You also have, you know, like cop dramas, your SVU, or you got medical dramas. So like SVU, and then like Grey's Anatomy, and then like the fifth season of Grey's Anatomy, and then like the 15th season of Grey's Anatomy. Uh, SVU is a valuable option. Who likes a lot of SVU in here? Yeah, so good, so comforting. But uh, cops are kinda up right now, so let's push that one to the side. Let's go with doctors. They like to make people healthy. That's always nice and cool, we'll just do that. Uh, they just like wanna keep people alive which is great. But also, people being alive right now, not the greatest thing. What do we all like? Say it with me. Dogs. dogs. That's right. We all love dogs. I love cats. I'm not gonna lie to you, I love cats a lot. But you know, right now we need dogs. We need someone who just loves you. It's just like, love you, love you. That's what we all need. And so these are doctors that are gonna like keep them alive. Sexy dog doctors, you know? <laughs> Jane, did you say sexy dog doctors? Yes, I did. <laughs> oh, that's my closing statement. Oops, lost my <laughs> Okay. It's stuck together, you guys. Okay, sexy dog doctors. Here's what I propose. One, this novel should have very simple characters that don't need footnotes, thank you. <laughs> 
Two, those characters should have sex with each other. Three, these sex scenes should be evenly spaced out through the book on highlighted pages so I know exactly where the sex scenes are. Because we all know that the best part about books is that you can like get off reading sex scenes in them and unlike porn, you don't have to feel guilty about the real people involved in it. That's so tight, you know? So like the more sex scenes in this, the better. Uh, so in conclusion, let us Replace the symbol of our oppressor's arrogance with our own badge. A badge that says, I'm tired. I'm tired of men running everything and yelling at me and trying to make me feel like they're smarter than me. Give me respite. Let my eyes graze over words that conjure images of puppies in peril who are brought back from the brink of death by a hunky vet who then fucks the brains out of his equally hunky vet assistant. No more shall I read endless footnotes trying to piece together an image of this overly complicated world a man created. I already live in an overly complicated world a man created. Also, I don't want to have to try to understand Quebec separatism. Quebec separatism! Are you kidding? No! So take back your dystopia and your tennis academies and give me puppies and porn, goddammit. That's it. Thank you. So light bulb, the statements from both. Strong arguments all around. So I'm going to ask you both some questions. You're going to have to answer them right on the fly. I think the first one uh, is going to go to Elaine. So one of the things, one of the things that uh, angry online men love to do, especially with things like Game of Thrones, where there's a lot of lore, uh, is get very mad when they learn someone is criticizing it and then sort of like asking trivia questions to make sure that they actually know enough. So you told me uh, while you were writing this that you have literally never seen a single second of Game of Thrones. What's your plan to deal with the inevitable backlash when the podcast comes out? <laughs> um, I think... Uh... Gosh, I wish I could say this funnier. Um, uh, well, there's there's Google, so all of us are are experts, right? Because we all have the the all of the world's knowledge in our pockets. So I can always just respond to tweets that way. Or I would say, you know, I I had the I had the history degree, so every time you tell me that, I'll probably more and Google that. Uh, yeah. I don't know. More Black Knight trivia. <laughs> Sounds good. Jane, a question for you. Okay. Infinite Chest, of course, like all David and Oscar Wallace literature, has an inexplicably huge amount of mentions of tennis. Just a crazy number. Okay. Will the dogs in the hospital play tennis, and why or why not? There would be tennis balls, of course. <laughs> but those would only be thrown by a human hand or one of those cool things at, you know, the park when people have that for their wrists. I don't know why people need those. Just throw them all like a fucking... Can people really not throw tennis balls at uh, Yeah, no, tennis. Tennis is a sport for rich assholes. I don't care. It's like golf. You need all the stuff and you need access to the place. Basketball, anywhere you can play basketball. 
Basketball is great. Softball, just need a bat and a ball. You're good. Tennis, golf, rich assholes, get out of here with your tennis academy. I know you did tennis as a kid, David Foster Wallace, and so it's in your heart. But no, I can't. Like, that's the most white guy thing to me. It's like, I'm going to set it in the tennis academy because I know all about the ins and outs of tennis. That's it. So, Wayne, as you've mentioned, in Game of Thrones, just all the women are, women are nude constantly. They're just, they're just all over. They use it all the time. So what is your plan to justify the sort of balancing of the ledger in regards to full frontal male nudity in the reboot? Can I have the question again? Uh, what, what's going to be the plot justification for showing dicks constantly? The plot justification, everything from um, global warming, I think. Is <laughs> it's, yes, exactly. It's too hot. I think, um, again, as I was talking about the different various refrenge fantasies that you can do, I think that um, uh, peanut butter and fire ants within the, the, the military guard that they were. What's that called? Armor? <laughs> okay. um, I mean, there's various ways that you can prompt men to undress uh, without, having, without having to, to go, um, without having to, to not have consent the other way. I mean, we're not gonna, not gonna justify it with male rape. I think that we can get creative. And so, there's a couple of ideas. Sounds good. Also, global warming, winter is coming, Elena. Sorry. <laughs> that was unnecessarily mean and unfair, and they're gonna need to be by fires because it'll be cold, so dicks out, please. <laughs> so I gotta ask, with this rebooted Infinite Jest, uh -huh. will previously already completed read-throughs of Infinite Jest no longer count? Why, why not? You mean like if a guy reads through it and they're they're like, oh, I read it. Yeah, and, and then there's like, oh, actually, it's announced about dogs. Can he still say he's read it? Um. Well, the thing is that those didn't matter in the first place because that's a dumb thing to be proud of. Uh, so like, somebody was trying to explain it to me today. I was talking to them about this, and they were like, well, my friend like sat down every day and like made him re made himself read it, and I'm like. This is a book you chose? That you're making yourself, why? Why would you do that? So, you know, if people feel um, like they need to tell you, uh, I like the idea that they're like, I read Infinite Jest, and you can be like, I did too, that one scene when he was like fingering her in the, like, the doggy showers was amazing, you know? <laughs> And then they'll just totally strip away their power. So it won't count because that book will have never existed. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> okay, so I have one more question. I want both of you to answer it. Uh, whoever wants to go first can go first. I guess you've, you've approached the mic, so if you want to go. Um, despite the backlash to Doctor Who, a lot of people uh, had a huge positive reaction in the news. It wasn't just backlash. Uh, so it was like, in a way, it was kind of a victory uh, for women in media being portrayed as, you know, the protagonist, not just an object. So I've got to ask, uh, 
When do you think they're going to replace the fucking writing staff on this show with women, huh? Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's... Uh, I'm not sure. Is the law separate but equal still? Still, are, are people going to try to bring that one back? I think that it's kind of going to be vertical inter integration. We're going to need the fifth... We're gonna need female executives, female um, producers, female uh, grips and people on the mic. We're gonna need a lot. We're gonna have actually whoever is in charge at the union um, who's reading my application, I don't have one, but who's listening? Uh, uh, we'll need integration all over. Um, I don't know, actually, even a better thing would be is uh, original stories. Now I know that that's a bit of a risk, that's a bit of a wild idea in the age of, of endless superhero movies, um, but perhaps a new story, perhaps something that hasn't been written yet. Lady Ghostbusters is all right, but maybe there can be something else that women go out and destroy. Um, 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 internal insecurities, perhaps? Uh, there's plenty of other demons out there. That's all. Hell yeah. Can we give me a question again? Uh, when do you think there's going to be uh, women in the writing staff of these goddamn shows? Of all of them? Together? Collectively? If you want to take it that way. Okay. Uh, I think it's gonna... I, this is not a joke answer. I think it's just gonna happen soon because it's getting boring and everyone knows it. And, like... It's just, they're all going to die soon. It's going to be so good. Uh, you know, they're just going to have to stop. Ignore, like, I have a lot of friends on writing staff, and most of them are women, because, like, the comedy, the stocks are starting to burst out of the, out of the ground, you know? Uh, so, you know, I think it's going to happen. I think it's just you got to start getting rid of men in general. Can we kill them? Yes! Is that okay? Tom, not you. You're fine. Uh... But in general, kill male showrunners. And uh, I have one more note about Game of Thrones and women. Is that there was an after the episode a couple weeks ago, I don't know if anybody watched it, where the two male showrunners were talking about having a bunch of women in a room, being, and they were like, and then we just realized, wow, we got a bunch of ladies in a room being powerful. So we wanted to emphasize that. And it was like, fuck you guys! You just ended up here, you didn't even try! Gonna murder you, Damon Lindelof, or whatever his fucking name is. Okay, that's it for me. Thank you. To be fair, though, if I, if I was called, Erica could just host the show every month, and it would be fine. She's great. Um, Kill him now! I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> okay, so y'all both have to give your closing statements, and then the crowd is going to vote who is the victor. So, yeah, who wants to go first and then, and then their closings? I'll go first. Okay, do it. Okay. Um, I want to tell you guys a little anecdote. Uh, I, I moved here from, uh, it's about the copy of, of Infinite Just My Father Gave Me. I moved here from San Francisco a couple months ago, and I had to pack all of my books up and ship them via Amtrak. Uh, hot tip, shipping stuff via Amtrak, cheap as shit, do it. Just, you know, I wanted to educate you guys a little bit. Uh, so as I was packing, I saw the book, and I thought to myself, 
is this worth the space and money to ship this fat, boring book across the country? Just because I hadn't finished it yet, and I might never, ever finish it. And I thought, no. I don't need this book on my shelf. People, I don't want people walking in my house and seeing it and being like, she did it, you know? It's embarrassing. Also, it's so heavy. It costs like fucking 80 cents to get that shit across the country, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it adds up. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, I took it to the Goodwill and laid it on a pile of infinite jests that were already there. And uh, when I moved in to my cousin's, my younger male hipster cousin's apartment, there on the shelf was a copy of Infinite <laughs> next to Bukowski and Vonnegut. <laughs> and I was like, if I ever get the urge the itch to climb, like, climb up that douchey Everest. <laughs> I know it'll be there for me. Someone will be throwing one out somewhere. And I thought, if that book had been 150 pages and had been about puppies and porn, that bitch would be in Chicago with me right now. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> Actually, side note of a story I had, I, I read so little of this kind of fantasy stuff. The only time I did, I did do it for a boy. Uh, and I can't even remember the name of it. Maybe Sword of Truth? I read one book, and then, which was one of those huge ones. I started to read the next of the, uh, the other. I was told that, well, it's not really good until like the third one. Um, and uh, I don't know why, what you do for love. I should have really, it, the female characters were just as simple and, well, non-existent than the one that was there. And then, you know, there's a whole thing about hair and, and that being, and women's looks, a lot about women's looks that it was significant in there. But uh, yeah, I still ended up marrying that guy. I should have saw <laughs> I really, I should have. What a bright red flag that was a waste of how many hours I spent on that book and years I spent on that person. Anyway, simply put, if the purpose is uh, of revamps is to disturb white male America, I think that um, Game of Thrones is a solid one. Whereas, honestly, I don't really know what an infinite jest is until today, so you could do whatever with it. But uh, whereas Game of Thrones, I've never seen an episode and it's still popular enough that I managed to talk about it for five minutes, which is five minutes more than I've wanted to talk about it ever. That's all. All right, that was excellent on both sides. The real winner was the audience, as they all say. But I'm joking, the real winner is actually going to be one of you. And the prize you're competing for is this delightful skewer, looking like a normal skewer for like 99% of it, but then there's a fancy bauble at the end. <laughs> so we're going to do a vote by applause. I'm going to need an impartial judge, and as always, it's the person right there. So you, ma'am, would you like to be the impartial judge and determine who gets the last? Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, nope. It's all good. You want to do it? No? Arshi, you want to do it? Okay. You just gotta determine who gets the louder applause. It's all it's all easy. You can come up. Yeah, come up. Why not? Make a party. I love a stage. Audience, if you believe that the winner of the debate arguing for rebooted Game of Thrones is Elaine Phillips, please applaud now. Cool. You got it, Archie? Got it. Cool. If you believe the winner of this debate arguing for rebooting Infinite Jest is Jane Harrison, please applaud now. Well, I can't decide. Archie, who won? It's really hard because my boyfriend watched Games of Thrones, but I'm an MFA major, so I hate Infinite Jest. But Infinite Jest won. Woo! You know he's a skewer. Throw it away in like a second. Uh, thank you both so much. You both are fantastic. Elaine Phillips and Jane Harrison, one more time for them. And yeah, that's the whole show. Um, that's, that's what it was. Thank you for being here. This is also a podcast. We've been recording it. Your your cheers and jeers are going to be <laughs> are going to be immortalized forever. Uh, and also, as Erica mentioned before, we have some dope merch, including stickers and buttons, and a book of all the best writing our first year at a show. And yo, know, that's all we got. We're the first Wednesday of every month, so maybe come see us uh, next month, the first Wednesday of September, whatever day that is. I don't know, probably like the third or something. Yeah. Anyway, that's been me. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to the Skewer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, why don't you like us on Facebook? You know, go to facebook.com slash theskewerchicago. Give us a like there or maybe come to a live show. Uh, we have them the first Wednesday of every month at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. Uh, it's always a good time. Uh, if you want to know more or pro- want to be on the show, you know, email us. Skewerchicago at gmail.com. We'll, we'll love to hear from you. And if you like the podcast, you know, why not b- bop on over to iTunes? Give us give us a nice rate and review. Or if you don't want to do that, just tell a friend about the show, someone who you think might like it. Get get the word out. They'll 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 appreciate you giving them a fun recommendation. Anyway, until next time, I've been Tom Harrison. Don't let fascism win. <laughs> <laughs>